Welcome to episode 66 of Pod Your Own Adventure. Today's episode, Blood of the Zombies by Ian Livingston. Wait, wait, wait. No, we can't just do the music. We can't just go straight back into the podcast. We need to explain why I've had a year off. So obviously there's a few reasons. The main one is that recording episodes and getting them out weekly can really burn you out if you do that for one or two years. The guest format was tough, getting lots of different cool guests on. It was why it was a lot of fun. It was difficult waiting to hear back from everybody, and these episodes take a long time to record. So there'll be a few changes to the format when I bring this back, and hopefully you'll be on board with it. I just want to say as well before we start, thank you everybody who was sending us messages. It was honestly a really big push to help me get the show started again. And I hope that after having nearly a year off, over a year off, there are still some fans out there that are looking forward to us coming back. Anyway, um, on with the show. Welcome back after 10,000 years of inactivity. Finally, I have awoken. My name's Robin and you're listening to Pod Your Own Adventure. I'm not doing the interesting fact things anymore because this is episode 66. Well, didn't we just say? It's episode 66 and I've run out of interesting things about myself. Even though I had a year off, just nothing happened. I was sleeping. Um, I'm joined today by uh, my good friend and yours. It's Danny. Hello. Hello. Hi. I'm very relieved I don't have to think of an interesting fact anymore. <laughs> um, I think it kind of ran its course, and especially like towards the end when I was going, my interesting fact is uh, I'm, in a, I'm in a flat, and it's nice. It's just, um, in fact, is it's Wednesday. <laughs> so, um, like I said in the intro ramble a little bit, there's going to be a few changes to the format uh, in that I probably won't be releasing episodes so often, and instead of having like a wide group of lots of different guests, it's probably going to be like smaller groups of more regular friends, you know? Yeah. Maybe there'll be a, a couple of special guests here and there, because that's still quite fun, but it's not going to be like the, how the show, like the show's format anymore, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So today we're going to be going through Blood of the Zombies. If this is your first time listening, I probably should explain. Um, the podcast is essentially I and a guest or a friend or a, a friend who is a guest. We go through a old fighting fantasy choose your adventure multiple path game book. Uh, I read through the book and then the guest uh, makes the decisions. Sometimes we'll get to the end of the book and nothing bad happens. Sometimes we fall into a big pit filled with spikes. Have you actually got a running total of which it is? Because I feel it, we're a lot more biased towards one than the other. So, with the Choose Your Own Adventure books, which is um, about half of the ones I've been doing so far, uh, they actually have lots and lots of uh, good or bad endings. So that you can't really say for certain whether you got the best ending, because there can be a few that are satisfying. Same goes for the Goosebumps books. Fighting Fantasy, however, always have like the big, like, you got to page 400, you have saved the day thing. But because those books are relatively long compared to the others, we don't get to them very much. Um, <laughs> yeah, like it's it's an interesting thing to look at the format of um, how the different styles of game books came out and which one was more popular as well. I know there are quite a few spin-offs um, or just like I suppose rip-offs. Am I allowed to say that? Well, if I'm not, then podrenadventure at gmail dot com. Um, quite a few rip-offs of the different formats as well. 
uh, like the Goosebumps books uh, follow the choose your adventure format quite rigidly, whereas um, things like. Uh... <laughs> so was that you struggling to remember, or because you remembered one you really hate? That was me struggling to remember. Which okay, because is... I was going to say, do you want to talk about the Sonic books again? Oh my god! I... Well, the Sonic books and the Lemmings books were an example of uh, taking the fighting fantasy format, where there was one story that had one specific ending as well. Um, if you're interested in listening to those, then I recommend going in our back catalogue and listening to the Sonic books. They are an ad- an adventure of sorts. Oh yes, we chose um, our own one. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> So, Blood of the Zombies um, is a fighting fantasy book by one of the original co-creators, Ian Livingston. And I've picked this because there is a historical context for it as well. This is the first... This is the book that Ian Livingston wrote for the 30th anniversary of fighting fantasy. Uh, It's one of the first books that he wrote uh, as a game book after having a relatively long hiatus as well. Um, It's also a book that he wrote after working in the games industry for 20 years. And considering it came out in about 2012... I think that's when the, the uh, zombies were uh, kind of at their peak, weren't they? I suppose, or peaking. So an entire book, which is basically just a Dawn of the Dead situation, should be all right, I guess. You'd hope. I mean, it's. I am a little hesitant about this book, I'll be honest. I'm always a little hesitant when a creator just takes 20 years off, you know? Like, <laughs> obviously he didn't take 20 years off. He was, he was a bit busy, but I don't think he wrote in that time at all, did he? So a lot of the books are actually outsourced to um, a lot of other authors as well. Uh, Jonathan Green, Peter Darvill Evans, and the American Steve Jackson, which is a little <laughs> bit confusing. His full name. They just refer to him as yes. the American. When they first started releasing like releasing fighting fantasy books by other authors, the very first one was by Steve Jackson, in brackets, US. So, <laughs> I mean, that's I marginally less bad than saying not that one. <laughs> uh yeah i i think he probably he must have been still writing or just like taking care of stuff and uh in between then and also i've played through the a uh, bit of this on the ios app um it's it's pretty good yeah it's it feels like a a return to form i suppose so the know? ios app as in they turned this into a choose your own adventure ios thing no, they turned it into a fighting fantasy ios thing danny Keep keep ahead of the trademarks, please. I'm I'm sorry. I always forget that's a trademark and not just a general term for for the books. <laughs> uh, they prefer multiple path game books. Oh, okay. Um, uh, yeah, it flows off the tongue. <laughs> it tumbles um, off the tongue like you're falling down the stairs. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was actually put together by uh, Tin Man Games, who have been doing um, quite a few of the. Uh, game books on iOS and on Steam as well, uh, on PC releases. Blood of the Zombies was one of the first ones they put out, uh, and it works really, really well. Um, just because of the format of this one, the combat's slightly different to in the other games, but also, it's just a very faithful adaptation, and all the art is intact. And sometimes it's even improved by by moving a little bit. So there you go. I really appreciate, appreciate that they are actually changing up the format. Yes. Um... Some of the later ones by Tin Man Games, like uh, Appointment with Fear. That's my new thinking noise. What? what? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think we should carry on to season two. Oh, okay. Maybe we'll leave that one behind us. But yeah, uh, a lot of the Tin Man Games uh, things like Appointment with Fear or uh, most recently Warlock of Firetop Mountain do change up that format entirely uh, because... You know, it keeps it fresh. It makes you 
it gives you a reason to want to come back to it instead of just being a 100% faithful adaptation of the book that's probably not what you want because yeah. you can do so much better with computers that's my catchphrase <laughs> that's their slogan century. actually yeah you can do so much better with computers to well, man like, games like what i like about that is that like i understand that in the books it's probably a bit of a hassle to reorganize that stuff all the time but it feels like it feels more contextually appropriate it's a more engaging thing when it actually makes sense to what you're doing yeah so you were saying about it in this book robin They've changed up the combat. Instead of you rolling against somebody and then they roll against you and then you subtract two. Instead, you find you walk into a room and there's a horde of zombies in there and you just roll some dice, add some numbers to it, and that's how many zombies you kill in one turn. And then they hit you. And it actually works really well. Should we begin? I think so. It sounds scary. It's spooky. It's Halloween. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. It's, it's pulpy. It's, it's fun. It's schlocky. It's not too It's harrowing. trashy. Exactly. Exactly. Didn't you refer to this before we started as like Day of the Dead if it were a book? Yeah. Um, that's George Romero's, not Dia de los Muertes. <laughs> Sorry, yes. I should be more specific. <laughs> All right, let's begin. Was it the cold iron shackles biting into your bleeding wrists that woke you? Or was it the terrible hunger in your belly? It doesn't matter. You are awake again for at least the tenth time tonight. If in fact it is night... It is not easy sleeping on a cold concrete floor at the best of times, but when your wrists are chained to a wall, this is virtually impossible. The gloomy cell in which you're imprisoned would be in total darkness were it not for the bare light bulb fixed to the ceiling above you, a small globe of pale, flickering light. Cockroaches scurry across the floor, but you don't even care. How long have you been held prisoner? Is it five or six days since you were thrown into the cell? It is impossible to tell. Time passes slowly. The only break from your solitude comes when you hear the grating sound of the bolt on the heavy steel door sliding back. That signals the entrance of a thick-set prison guard who staggers into the cell limping from an old wound and usually drunk. If you're lucky, he'll be carrying a small bowl of foul-tasting stew that slops over the room as he lurches along. If you're very lucky, he'll also bring a chunk of stale bread and a mug of pale coffee made from dregs. Now, I feel that pale coffee made from dregs, a chunk of stale bread... We've all been students. We've all... You know. Maybe? Is that just me? Maybe it's just me. <laughs> oh dear. I've just shown myself up, haven't I? Sorry, I don't want to spoil the magic. <laughs> Absolutely no self-respect. He always places the food on the floor from just out of your reach, his cruel pockmarked face momentarily smiling as he enjoys the moment. He knows that if he does this, you have to stretch to reach the bowl with your feet, making the shackles bite deeply into your bleeding wrists. He never speaks, but always kicks you hard on the ribs on his way out, before slamming the door behind him and bolting it shut. Again, we've all been students, haven't we? Yeah, that does sound a lot like my landlord when I was a student. <laughs> Jesus. He doesn't seem to care whether you live or die. Yes, exactly. It was, hard... <laughs> it was hard to come to terms with the fact that you were a prisoner. As a second year student of mythology at Bolenbrook College, it had been a great summer for you until now. <laughs> Sorry. Did you read ahead and specifically mention student stuff because of that? No. <laughs> <laughs> you had spent six weeks of your holidays travelling through southern Europe trying to find evidence of legendary beasts. You started your quest by flying to Crete in search of minotaur bones and the cave of the Cyclops, and asked without success. From there, you went by boat to Sicily, looking for evidence of werewolves, again without success. Then you travelled by boat and train to Hungary, where you searched for ghosts and spectres in the shadows of misty graveyards and ruined castles. Much to your disappointment, none materialised. Hitching rides in open-top trucks, you ended up in Romania, in the part once known as Transylvania, where Count Vlad, the notorious vampire, repeatedly drank the blood of his many victims. 
During a week spent asking the locals if they knew anything about the existence of vampires, you're met with only blank looks and shaking heads until you encountered a wrinkled old man who's willing to talk to you for the price of a new hat. Wow. So is that the currency <laughs> in this game? I, I presume so, yes. Okay. It's like TF2. He took you some three kilometres north of his village to a stone crypt, its entrance overgrown and virtually hidden by brambles and ivy. Whilst you cut back the weeds covering the steps down to the entrance, the old man disappeared without a word. The crypt door was locked, but the wood was rotten, and you were able to kick it open. You shone a torch down the stone stairs and made your way slowly down to a damp chamber. Brushing back thick cobwebs, you saw an ancient dust-covered coffin set on a stone plinth at the back of the chamber. With your heart pounding, you crept forward and lifted the lid. But the coffin contained a yellow-boned skeleton, not the sleeping vampire you were hoping to find. You went back outside to find three burly thugs waiting for you. Sorry, we just we just found a skeleton. We're being that casual about it. Yeah, it's ugh, oh, a skeleton. Not again. Yawn. I was expecting a vampire. Oh, this sucks. I want to go home. <laughs> you went back outside to find three burly thugs waiting for you. Armed with clubs, they set upon you as you tried to make a run for it. You struggled, but barehanded it was a fight you were always going to lose. You were handcuffed and gagged before being bundled into the back of an old black car and driven for miles across an, along a narrow road that carved its way through a dense forest to a range of hills. They saw a foreboding-looking castle built of dark stone nestled in a valley between two hills. The thugs grinned at each other, agreeing that you would be sold for a good price at the castle. You realise you are in grave danger. Not only had you been kidnapped, but you are about to be sold to a modern-day slave trader or perhaps worse. The car sped up on the hill until it reached the high-walled castle, where it screeched to a halt outside arched entrance doors. The thugs dragged you out of the car as the castle doors slowly creaked open to reveal a courtyard with some people milling about in it. You were blindfolded and handed over to an unseen person who led you into the courtyard. You heard groaning voices all around you. Dogs brushed against your legs, sniffing curiously. Somebody bumped into you. The strange gurgling sounds erupted from your throats were like nothing you had heard before. You were jostled and pushed round until the crack of a whip and a commanding voice drove the unruly mob away. Much to your relief, you were taken indoors out of the burning sun and marched along what must have been a long corridor. Doors opened and slammed shut behind you and it became noticeably cooler as you were led down several staircases. You were bundled along more passageways, stumbling against walls and banging your head against low door frames, until at last you were ordered to stop. Then you heard for the first time that now familiar grating sound of the steel bolt of your prison cell sliding open. You were kicked inside and your handcuffs were removed, replaced by heavy shackles that were chained to the wall. Is everything okay? Hmm? Oh, sorry, I thought you were going to say something. No, I, it, it's, this is very heavy. Yeah, I mean, this is the same company that published the new, that new Tomb Raider, isn't it? <laughs> This is a connecting thread. Yeah. You were kicked inside and your handcuffs removed. Your blindfold was taken off and you set eyes on your fat-faced prison guard for the first time. His pot belly strained against his filthy white t-shirt as he swung his army-booted foot into your ribs, as you were many times over the next few days. Sweating and panting from the effort of kicking you, he spoke to you a few words in a deep, sneering voice. Welcome to Goriah Castle. My name is Otto. My master is Gingrich Yor. He's going to kill you. Ignoring your feeding questions, he left the cell, roaring with laughter. It was the only time he ever spoke. It's not very welcoming, it, it, is it? No, I mean, he said the word welcome to Gorilla Castle, and then that was pretty much as nice as it got. It's welcoming on a technical level. Yes. Who is Gingrich Yor? Why does he want to kill you? You tug helplessly at the chains in anger, trying to get free. Eventually you give up and focus on the challenge of reaching the stew and bread before the cockroaches do. Good grief. And that's how we start... That's how we. That's that's our beginning, at least. So I can really, really go up from here, you know. Well, I hope so. I hope. I, I really hope so. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. 
You kick the cockroaches away and stretch to reach the bread with your feet. You drag it towards you, grabbing it with one hand. You break off small pieces, flicking them one at a time into your mouth. You make a stupid promise to yourself that one day you'll do this as a party trick for your friends if you live to tell the tale. You breathe in before stretching even further, this time to reach the bowl. The pain is unbearable to shackles dig even deeper into your lacerated wrists, causing fresh blood to trickle down your arms. A few weeks ago, you could not have imagined putting yourself through so much agony just to eat a bowl of old stew, but now hunger drives you on. With a long last excruciating effort, you just manage to get both feet around the bowl, lifting it up carefully and passing it to your shackled hands. You tip the contents of the bowl into your mouth, gulping down the foul-smelling slop. It tastes so bad that for a moment you think you're going to be sick, but you're so hungry that you devour every morsel, gristle and all. But a few chunks of rotten meat are not enough to keep a mangy dog alive, let alone a starving prisoner. Something has to be done before you die of hunger. And if it is true that Gingrich Shiro is going to kill you, there is nothing to lose. You're going to have to try to escape from your prison cell. If you want to call out to Otto, turn to 59. If you'd rather wait to talk to him when he next enters your cell, turn to 194. Well, hmm. This doesn't well, seem like much of a choice. Not really. How, so um, how quickly do we want to talk? Do we, have, do we want to have a bit of a relax? It sounds like we want to tuck it out. We've had a bit of a relax for the last five or six days, I think they established. Oh, that's true. I guess we better get on with it. So give him a give him a yell. Yeah, ask him how he's doing. You shout at the top of your voice for several minutes, but nobody comes. Eventually, you hear the steel bolt steel bolt slide open. Otto enters the cell, looking very angry. He has a dirty food stained cloth tied around his neck. He was in the middle of his meal and is very annoyed at having interrupted by a common prisoner like you. Without a word, he comes over to you and kicks you several times in your already damaged ribs as hard as he can. There's a sicking noise as one of them cracks. Oh my god. Lose three stamina points. You're in too much pain to try to escape and decide to wait until the thug's next visit. Okay, so we probably should have established that we should figure out what our stamina is. You do that it's, by rolling two... Well, it's less than it was before. Yeah, you do that by rolling two dice. I genuinely just rolled uh, two sixes. Ooh. And then and then adds 12 to that. So our stamina, uh, brackets 24, and then I'll write 21 next to it. It's good that you rolled two sixes because that makes up for you encouraging me to not have a rest. <laughs> I, and of course, people at home are going to think didn't actually roll two sixes. No, no, I, I I've, I, my cheating ways are over for now, at least. Our, our podcast home is built on trust. Exactly. I, there's that trust with the audience that you have that trust with me as well. I'm probably not going to cheat. Anyway, okay, the, the trust is slowly depleting. Many hours pass before you hear the sound of the steel bolt sliding open again. Even if you've come to fear Otto's boot, the nose of the bolt also signals the arrival of food. Disgusting though it is. As often is the case, Otto is drunk and looking forward to playing his usual game of placing a bowl of cold stew just out of reach before giving you a good kick. But this time you're going to fight back. To distract him, you tell him that he smells worse than a bag of dead frogs, which sends him into a blind rage. But you're prepared, committing your mind to an all-or-nothing move. You try to wrap your legs around him and pull him to the ground. As he pulls his leg back to kick you, you seize the moment and strike. Holding onto the chains, you thrust your legs upwards to ensnare the fat jailer. We can go for a headshot, which is risky, or you can go for a body blow. Before I make my decision, can I ask one question? Go ahead. What does what does dead frog smell like? Is that are we meant to know that? Um, I assume they sound like a like dead anything, really. Weird that they went for frogs. Yeah, that's an odd decision, but you know. I, I don't know why that just genuinely like jumped like jumped out at me. Sorry, just genuinely mm. came at me. It's weird. <laughs> that's not a metaphor, I know. No, um, that's that's a new one. So, risky headshot or wrap the body with our big legs. How big are our legs? Do we have a stat for that? Uh, I rolled a seven. 
Our legs are seven big. That seems that's averagely big, isn't it? Let's try. That's, let's that's try wrapping average. him round. Let's let's pretend we're a giant snake and sort of wrap him and drag him to the ground. Garanda's body. Yeah. Otto's reactions are slow, and your quick movement catches him off guard. You manage to wrap, wrap your legs around his midriff and haul him screaming to the ground. He tries to wriggle free, but you hold on to him, ripping one of your chains around his neck. That's Gasps those average to... legs everyone tells me I'm known for. <laughs> those average legs doing some average work. <laughs> doing some fully passable work. <laughs> <laughs> he gasps for breath and lashes out, catching in the face with his elbow, but causing no real damage. You hang on to him and pull hard on the chain until he gives up the struggle and passes out. He slumps down on top of you, but you're just able to reach his belt. Your searching fingers find a key attached to a thin chain on his belt. The chain is just long enough for you to be able to put the key in the lock of your shackles. It fits, and the lock pops open, much to your relief. You unlock the other shackle and snap it shut of the unconscious thug's wrist. As such of his pockets, he was nothing more than a photo of a plump, middle-aged woman, which he throw to the floor. It's fucking rude. You rub your injured wrists and think about what to do next. You are escape. barefoot. Es- escape. My, my, main, my num- main thought is escape. Number one on our list of priorities. You are barefoot and wearing the same t-shirt and cargo shorts you had on when you were kidnapped. Oh, God. Clothes. We're wearing cargo shorts. This is very unfashionable. Oh, for goodness sake. Why didn't you say that up front? I think that we kind of deserve to be kidnapped for such fashion crimes. Oh, goodness sake. Are you sure this isn't the castle of the fashion police? A change of clothes would be welcome. <laughs> uh, yes, I'll say it would be. But Otto smell worse than yours, so they'll have to wait. You must find a way to escape. Otto starts to moan as he regains consciousness. We can interrogate him, or we can leave the prison cell immediately. I kind of... So he's all tied up right and not getting out. He's all in prison. He's in, he's in the shackles, yeah. We've swapped who is in prison, so why, why yeah. don't we try asking him some questions? Maybe he'll... Him some, I can't imagine some he's going to be particularly questions. helpful. Exactly. I mean, it's worth a shot. What's the worst that can happen? He could scream and a bigger, angrier guard could come. I'm not aware that there is one, but also, let's find out. Yes. You give Otto the choice of him telling you about Gingrich here, or you giving him a very hard kick in the ribs. He quickly agrees to tell you all he knows. He claims that he has never met Yur. He was brought to the castle by two men who recruited him from his hometown, promising work as a prison guard. They offered good pay. Too good to turn down. That was two years ago. Now he feels like a prisoner himself, as he is not allowed to leave the prison quarters other than to take charge of new prisoners. Only a handful of people ever talked to him. It was best for him not to ask questions about why people were being kidnapped and brought to the castle. He knows that Gingrich Yoro is a terrifying man. He learned from the old man who brought him his food supplies that Yoro is planning something unspeakably terrible. Something that involves the prisoners, but he has no idea what that might be, as his role is simply to guard new prisoners until they are hauled off to another part of the castle. Also, full silent, staring blankly at the floor. There is no time to lose. You have to escape. Turn to page 73. As you turn to leave, Otto begs you to release him. Instead, you take his key off its chain and throw it into the corner of the room, telling him that you hope somebody will soon bring him a nice bowl of stew. Like, in spite of what he just told us, that's slightly vindictive. It's I, That's very vindictive, but also... Yeah. Like, maybe I'm casting aspersions on him. Doesn't seem like the type that if he were to undo him, he'd let us go. That's also a good point. I think he was just, like... He's been in it too long. He's had too much fun kicking us in the ribs. Kick, he doesn't kick know anything. you in the ribs a lot. He doesn't know anything else. That's the thing. He can't help it. You can retrain. You can do a night <laughs> course in not kicking people in the ribs. Yeah, you can, maybe you can learn programming, I guess. No, it's very similar to getting kicked in the ribs. Oh, Jesus. I'm sorry. That, that touched a nerve, didn't it? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> you bid him farewell and walk over the steel door. 
You peer out into the corridor, which is lit by a row of flickering strip lights in the ceiling. You sense evil all around, and hope to find a weapon sooner rather than later. To your right, the corridor ends at a half-open doorway. To the left, the corridor continues as far as you can see. So, do you want to go up the corridor or to the open door? Oh, this is a classic, like... I can't remember what they abbreviate to. Not choose your own adventure book choice, isn't it? We have no idea of what could be either way. Yeah, like, this is just... Well, you're probably gonna beef it the first time round. One of these is gonna kill you. Hope you're making a map. (laughs) Oh, what was the good direction we always went in the Sonic books? Left? Uh, That seems like the kind of thing Tails would say. (laughs) Oh, Sonic, I'm scared. Can we go left? How have we made this about Sonic? Left. Let's go left. Because I I invited you to the thing, Danny. (laughs) (laughs) Left. You're tempted to go back into your cell to give Otto a kick, but decide against petty revenge. You hurry down the corridor, the smooth concrete floor uncomfortably cold on your bare feet. After some distance, you see some messages scrawled on the wall. One says, they're coming to get us. Another says, we're doomed. There are other messages in languages you don't understand. You keep walking until you come to a black canvas pouch hanging from a hook in the wall. We can open the pouch, or we can keep on walking down the corridor. So you know how you said before that this was probably going to be very 2012 video games? (laughs) <laughs> messages written on the wall in blood saying we're doomed I can't believe that there's actually like graffiti on the walls in this book that's incredible it's so 2012 it's like a time capsule um, I, I feel no nothing... zombie is safe from Chicago Ian <laughs> in brackets Livingston brackets UK one <laughs> um, did, what was the bag shaped like did it say that Black canvas pouch, that was it. I mean, I let's open it, but I bet it's nothing good. The pouch contains a small key with a number 9 stamped on it, a box of matches, and a marker pen. Take the items you want and then carry on down the corridor. Oh, okay, so it wasn't like some sort of gruesome, horrible thing. Do you reckon we should take all of them? I think we should take all of them. I think we should take all of them. Small key, 9, matches, and a marker pen. Maybe this is just my butt-up aversion to anything weird with the number nine written on it, but that key worries me. Is that a Zero Escape thing, or is that a Beatles thing? Much as I'm scared of the Beatles, it's more of the former. <laughs> we can't get into that too much. That's going to be spoiler territory. What, the Beatles? I'm pretty sure people know about them. Good grief. The One of them's not real. The... They replaced him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you loved talking about that. There, there are also things I could talk about the Beatles, but I don't know how off-topic we can afford to get. Let's see what let's let's like put a feeler in. So Pete Best from the Beatles put out an album called Best of the Beatles, which that is, is technic- an incredible name for an album. It's technically correct, but also <laughs> that's very bold. It's so massively disrespectful, isn't it? Yeah, I, I love it. That's I. I genuinely love that, and I have nothing but respect for him for doing that, but also, that's the pettiest shit. <laughs> I mean, when you get kicked out of the Beatles, I think you're allowed to be petty. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <sighs> Alright, the corridor ends at a door. You can hear the sound of footsteps coming from the other side. There is no alternative but to open the door and face whoever it is. You breathe in deeply, kick the door open, and charge in to find yourself standing in a large storeroom. There's a man making notes on his clipboard, inspecting floor-to-ceiling shelves, which are mostly empty. He is about 30 years of age, quite stocky with a shaved head, and wearing orange overalls and black boots. He appears unconcerned by a sudden intrusion. Ah, you must be the new prisoner. I wasn't expecting to see you here, he says in a matter-of-fact kind of way. 
Nobody has ever escaped from Otto's dungeon before. Do you want to give me one reason why I shouldn't raise the alarm? Before you can speak, the man starts and says, The answer, my friend, is money. Show me the money. My name is Boris. And I'm Gregor, says a deep voice to his left. You can see a much older man with a heavily lined face. He's wearing a brown bomber jacket and dirty old trainers. For some reason, the top of his head is wrapped in grubby bandages. There's a door on the wall opposite the one you came through. If you want to make a dash for the other door, we can, or we can stay and talk to the other men. I mean, they don't seem... They don't really seem like they mean us any ill will. Why don't we stay and have a chat? Yeah, they're, they're kind of in it for their own, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know? It's hard to know what anyone's intentions are in this horrible castle. It's nice to have some money, I think, is... Yeah, we could do with some hats. Yeah. You introduce yourself to the men, telling them how you came to be kidnapped. Tell somebody who cares, Boris says, shrugging his shoulders, <laughs> indifferent to your hard luck story. Listen, we can help you. We have things that you might need, which we might be willing to sell to you, but only at a price. And that price is dollars. Take it or leave it. Oh, shit. So we've d- only got hats. We, can d- we don't have any money, but we can either head over to the far door or fight the men. Why did you say fight the men in that voice, Robin? Because this is the first... Mm, I'm not sure. Maybe I was just like encouraging... Say- hey, Danny. Danny, you should fight the men. I don't want to fight the men. What if what, what if we need to buy things from them later? I don't think you should fight the men. I feel like that would be a really, really bad idea. There's a lot of men's. There's there's twice as many men's as there, as there are us. That's unfavourable odds. And we've only got average legs. <laughs> the, the average legs worked out once, but it won't, it won't work out every time. <laughs> so, I guess we should go through the other door because we don't have any money on us right now, do we? We should probably do that. The door opens into a white-walled corridor, illuminated by bright white strips. You see the words, help me, written in dried blood on the fucking hell. <laughs> Sorry. Good grief. It was 2012. Ian's found a device he likes. <laughs> if it works, it works. You see the words, help me, written in dried blood on the left-hand wall. You don't stop to think about it, and carry on until you arrive at a T-junction, where the corridor branches left and right as far as you can see. We can go left, or we can go right. <laughs> Robin, I'll level with you. I've always hated these choices. They really do yeah. feel meaningless. Like again, this is the kind of thing where like they're not expecting you to get on your first playthrough. They're expecting you to make a map as you go through, so you can say, "If I went right here, I fell down a big pit into some spikes." So let's not fall down the big pit. I see. No, that's yeah, exactly. where we made a mistake. That's where I've always been going wrong. Let's go left and fall down the big pit. Okay. Uh huh. Uh huh. You fall down a big pit full of with spikes. Oh, you shit. Dead. You did read ahead. <laughs> the corridor ends at a solid-looking white-painted door. You press your ear to it, but hear nothing. We can open the door, or we can turn around and walk along the corridor in the opposite direction. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, just being inquisitive and human makes you want to open the door, but I reckon that's a bad thing, right? It could be a good thing. Well, let's open is... the door, then, if you're so sure it's a good thing. I said it could be. No, it certainly is. <laughs> Listen, you just said it certainly is. You open the door, you step forwards and fall into a big pit filled with spikes. <laughs> you are dead. I can't believe we walked into this Indiana Jones castle. <laughs> the door opens into a small laundry room. There is a tall white cupboard in one corner, in front of which lies a bucket on its side, a mop and two brooms. A plastic basket piled high with washing sits on top of a work surface, which runs from one corner of the far wall over to the cupboard. Underneath it you see a washing machine and a tumble dryer. There is an old black kit bag propped up against the wall by the door next to a row of shoes. We can open the kit bag or we can open the cupboard door. 
I was so sure you're going to say open the shoes. <laughs> um, let's look in the kit bag. Let's check out the kit bag. Let's steal let's some stuff. Our, let's get our kit off. You no, unzip Robin. the bag and find some. <laughs> what? Let's you get find our some musty old. Nice, nice. You find some musty old sports clothes, a pair of grey sweatpants, a t-shirt, and a pair of trainers. Everything seems to be your size if you want them. But the most exciting thing you find in the bag is a baseball bat, which could serve as a very useful weapon. Suddenly, hear some, some scratching noises coming from inside the cupboard. So the baseball bat is one d six, which means if we ever find a horde of zombies, we roll d six, and that's how many of them we kill. That's better than cool. nothing. Absolutely better than nothing. I like that it actually says one d six as well. Like they're not patronising their audience at all. They're saying, "Look, you all know what we're talking about here." We've been doing this for long enough. Let's cut away with the pleasantries. <laughs> um, I should also have mentioned that um, if we didn't have a weapon, we have to fight barehanded, which is d six minus three, which sucks. So if you get a three. It's nothing. If, you, if you get three or less, you don't do any damage. In okay, fact, so I was going to say, if you get a one, do you make a zombie? Oh no, how dreadful. I don't even want to think about that, really. Uh, turn to page 13, there's a funny noise. Without warning, oh, so there's the double... so, something scratching in there. There was something scratching in there, that's right. Without warning, the two double doors of the cupboard burst open. Two half-dead, human-like beings in ripped clothing leap out and try to grab you with their bleeding, blistered hands. One has broken fingers sticking out at strange angles. Their skin is grey and pallid, covered with open wounds and festering sores. They have thin, greasy hair and their, gap- and their gapping mouths reveal broken, blackened teeth. Oh no! Eyes what could that is- be? <laughs> it's some sort of fucked up person. It's a sleepy boy. Their sunken, bloodshot eyes ooze yellow gunk. A horrible gurgling sound erupts from their throats as they close in on you. They are zombies, capital oh, Z. Oh god! That... <sighs> Whenever zombies appear in media, I always remember the bit from Shaun of the Dead where he says, are there zombies out there? Don't call them that. That's Don't ridiculous. That. Don't say the Z word. Don't say the Z word. It's ridiculous. I think, in all honesty, like, don't get me wrong, that wasn't a bad introduction to them or anything. I think it was a bit trashy, but of course it would be. It's just that yeah. I feel like I've seen so much zombie media in my life that... At moments like that, all I can hear is, yeah, I know, get on with it. Go for the head, that's right. I know what you're going for. I think it was a Casey Green comic from years and years and years ago where he was talking about zombies, like, just not being a threat at all to modern society because everybody knows you go for the head and you take them out. And, like, yeah, that's it. It's gross, but it's not like the threat has been so done by media that it's like, oh. Yeah. Zombies are fun and schlocky, but also, like... There's not very much threat to them at this point, I personally feel, at least. I think there can still be a threat. I think, I forget which creator it, it is, does your old fast zombies. They're kind of still a bit threatening, but... Oh, that was like, like the a... uh, Dawn of the Dead remake, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. Um, mm. I just don't think they're a particularly shocking device to use, or even like a scary one. Yeah. Like, can... Stuff like The Walking Dead is, is nasty, but it's not, it's still zombies, isn't it? Yeah, you can do them in an interesting manner, but like, always, it's always the case with um, with a lot of zombie literature, I suppose, or like films that it's about the human element and man is the real monsters. Like, yeah, I guess, but also it could be the flesh-eating creatures that are the real monsters. Yeah. Anyway, without further ado, I'm gonna bash their brains in. <laughs> that's hey, that's why you're in. That's why the podcast gets big numbers. Professional. <laughs> <laughs> um, I rolled a two. There's two of them in the room. I just said he gets so big means... numbers. 
Yeah, two is enough. Two means that I killed two zombies, and there's only two of them. So, turn to space 235. Sorry, okay. The, the podcast gets perfectly adequate numbers. <laughs> I mean, hopefully, with this uh, brand new episode for Halloween, maybe. <laughs> is that what we're going for? Between my legs and your numbers, we're just going for average this episode. <laughs> I, I, It's the best I can hope for. <laughs> Dispatching the two slow zombies was easy enough, but you know that unless you find yourself a gun, you'll have no chance against a horde of them. You step over their bodies, look into the cupboard. Inside you find a small metal box with a green cross printed on the lid. Did you find something funny about the word gun, Danny? Sorry, it's just the, the video games ass way of presenting that. Like, <laughs> yeah. you survived the encounter, but if you're going to do the next one, you need a gun. Over. <laughs> Great job, Ian, fighting fantasy, but you need a gun if you're going to survive against bigger numbers. And then, like, the the tooltip appears in the corner. Find gun. <laughs> a little arrow appears above your head in the, each of the corridors. Danny, are we going to start collecting Gingrich Shields' diary entries? What, and it's just going to be stuff like run for president and establish moon base? Yeah. I'm Gingrich Shields and I love being evil. <laughs> Alright. So, we got a med kit, which we can add four to our stamina when we want to use it. There are also two cardboard boxes filled with bullets, which we put into our bag with the medkit. <laughs> At least now you have ammunition, if not a gun. So, turn page 265. There's no other way out of the room, apart from the way we came. You notice a small door, no more than a metre high in the right hand wall of the corridor. A simple latch keeps it closed. We can open it, or we can keep walking along the corridor. So, is this now the point of the game at which we have the start of the game? God, sorry. The brain switch into video games mode at the mention of guns. Um, is this the point in the book at which we just have to assume that every door will probably have a zombie behind it? Probably have a zombie behind it, or maybe it will take us to a different part of the castle entirely. Um, I suppose this is the point where the game really opens up. Um, <laughs> I don't even know like how facetious I'm trying to be when I say that. Like, It is the case where... Um, like at this point, if you go through this one corridor, there could be another door in the back that we automatically walk through, and then it takes us through a different route that we would do if we kept walking along, you know? Yeah. I, I guess let's try opening it, but I am sort of expecting there's just going to be random number of zombies behind it. Uh, yeah, probably. We're supposed to be writing down um how many zombies we kill on our way as well, for some reason that I'll get into later. Oh, please, please do. The door opens into a small, musty-smelling cub... Cubby hole. That was a weird one. Small, musty-smelling cubby hole, which is used for storage. It is disgustingly filthy inside, with rats droppings covering the floor and cobwebs hanging down in the corners. There are two large plastic storage boxes tucked away at the back. The first box is full of old newspapers and magazines. My favourite. The second contains old books, a wallet with $2 inside, and a small cardboard box full of bullets. You put the items you want into your bag before closing the cubby hole door to carry on walking along the corridor. Turn to page 202. Still, could- though, we found $2. How many dollars do worse. we need to, for, to have a hat? Oh, hat-based economy. Um, I suppose it depends. I th- where Are we still in Hungary? I'm not sure. I, I, oh, we left Hungary. Did we? I thought we, yeah, we, I left... thought we were there and we got kidnapped there. Went to Romania after going to Hungary. Oh, of course, yeah. Transylvania. Yes. Okay. Okay. You pass by a dirty old mattress that is propped up against the right-hand wall. It appears to have been dumped in the corridor long ago. Broken springs stick out through its torn, grubby cover. You can look behind it, or you can keep on walking. <laughs> Sorry, I, s- 
I wondered why the mattress was getting so much screen time. And it turns out the answer is, do you want to look behind the mattress? Yes. Yeah. I mean, sure. What's, what could be behind a mattress? There is a narrow passageway behind the mattress, so narrow it would require you to walk sideways to go down it. You peer down it, but it is too dark to see very far. We can either squeeze along it, or we can keep on walking. This is absolutely a company that put out Tomb Raider games, isn't it? Yeah, this just feels like a Tomb Raider game. <laughs> I feel like it's a bad idea to go down there, but maybe that's me being realistic rather than gamesy. What I do mean, you reckon? I can see... Would it be a bad idea? I can see where you're coming from, but also... What? I would go down it. I would... So I'll go down it, die, then start again and see what happens when I go down the <laughs> other one. Okay, so are you saying in season 1.5 or whatever we're on, we can still do finger in the page? Yeah, of course. Let's do it then. Page 244. All right. As you inch your way slowly down the narrow passageway, you see a chink of light in the distance. You also notice a very bad smell in the air, something akin to rotten eggs. You keep going as quietly as possible. At last you come to the end of the passageway and see that it leads into what looks like an old workshop. There is a disused fireplace set in the left-hand wall with an anvil in front of it. A long workbench is set against the right-hand wall with a vice fixed to it and old broken tools lying on top of it. A tatty orange plastic curtain stretches across the wall opposite. As you step into the room, the curtains are suddenly pulled apart by snarling half-dead humans in ripped clothes who rush at you trying to slash you with the long broken nails of their outstretched hands. Their I appreciate them and... not using the word zombie there. Yeah. Like, they're mixing it up at least. That's okay. Their skin is grey and blighted with open wounds and festering sores. They have long dishevelled hair with teeth missing from their blackened mouths. Swollen tongues fill their open mouths and their vacant eyes are milky white, red rimmed and sunken in their sockets. They screech and gurgle in anticipation as they rush towards you. They are zombies, eight of them in total. Oh. So, finger on the page. I think this doesn't seem like the worst thing in the world. No, let's carry on with it. We, All can, right. we can do this. So we've got to roll fairly high. Yes, we have to roll an eight on one dice. I rolled, a, I rolled a six, which means that we take two damage because there's only two of them left. But also it means that now... Oh, so we just straight up take one damage for every zombie that's still there? Yes. How much health do we have? It was like 28 we're minus on, three, right? We're on 19 right now, which isn't so bad. Yeah, that's not bad. That seems fine. And then I rolled three. So, we win. That seems fine. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to write the number eight right there. Cool. If you win, turn to page 395. You step over the switching bodies of the zombies and take a good look around the room. The only thing of interest you find is a pair of blacksmith's tongs which you put in your bag. I'll write that down. Fucking hell. I'm getting things left, right, and centre here. Well, it is an apocalypse, I guess. I assume it is. There's zombies everywhere, so we just have to go around nicking stuff. Well, apocalypse um, says that it's happening elsewhere. As far as we know, it's just happening in this castle so far. Oh, so it's more mad scientist, you're thinking? Yeah, I think so far it's just just a mad scientist. Oh, okay. But who knows? Like, maybe if we step outside the doors, then everything's on fire. And and it turns out we've been in the prison for 20 years. Oh, my God. <laughs> that And we've also... Oh, we just didn't notice that our hair's gone really long and grey. <laughs> yeah. No, they've been cutting it for us. Oh, that's very nice. And that's nice of them, it. isn't it? Very polite. Thank you, Otto. <laughs> Thank you for being so welcoming. Oh, I feel feel mean that we're bad to him now. <laughs> there is an alcove behind the curtain where you find a black iron door that's previously hidden. We can open the door, or we can go back down the narrow passageway and turn right into the main corridor. 
Uh, well, we're here now. Yeah, might as well go down. Open the, that door. Yeah. The door is locked and far too sturdy to break open. You could try a key in the lock if you have one. If you do have a key, turn to the number which is stamped on it. If you do not have a key, you have no choice but to go back down the narrow passageway. Wait, so, so, turn so, to the number that's stamped on it. On the key. So page nine. Much to your satisfaction, the key turns in the lock. Brilliant! Creek... <laughs> this that's game's a, that's easy. A, that's a puzzle. <laughs> the heavy door creaks open, le leading into an old coal store. There is a shovel on top of the pile of coal, but nothing else of interest. There's a black iron door in the far wall and a key hanging on a hook nearby. We can search through the pile of coal with a shovel, or we can try to open the door with the key hanging on the hook. Wait, sorry. Try to open the door with the key. We can't just take the key with hanging on the hook and put it in our bag or anything. I don't I don't know. It just says you can try to open that door with that key on the hook, or you can search through a big pile of coal, which well, is my favourite activity, to be honest. In that case, I suppose I won't deprive you of it. <laughs> I was going to say I didn't want to get my hands dirty, but... See, that's the main difference between you and I. You fucking love coal. I fucking love coal, me. It is dirty work, and you're soon covered in coal dust. Brilliant. You're just about <laughs> yeah, to give oh, up brilliant. digging. This is the best Saturday ever. <laughs> you're just about to give up digging when your shovel hits something solid. You clear away the coal to discover an old plastic sack tied with nylon twine. You untie the sack and find a grappling hook attached to a good length of climbing rope. It's the 2016, <laughs> it's the year of the grappling hook, Danny. I'm sorry, I'm never doubting you about coal ever again. You fasten it to your bag, thinking that it might be needed later, and go for the door tray to open it with a key hanging on the hook. I'm going to write down in all capital letters, grappling hook. Lots of wire. <laughs> oh, grappling hooks are great. That's Hot so weird adventure gamey. Why would a grappling hook be in a large pile of coal dust? I don't know. You get the rubber chicken with the pulley in the middle of it, I suppose. It's it's on that level, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, boy. The key unlocks the door, which opens into a boiler room housing four large rumbling boilers with outlet valves hissing steam. <laughs> Go. Sorry. I just four large rumbling boys. <laughs> you have to fight the four rumbly boys. <laughs> they won't let you through because you stole their grappling hook. <laughs> Gurgling hot water pipes lead it from the boys, disappearing into the low ceiling. <laughs> what? Do you have a problem with something I just said? No, everything's fine, darling. Please carry on. <laughs> there's a large metal air vent in the ceiling, yet it's still very hot inside the room. At the far end of the room, there is another iron door and a key hanging on the hook next to it. If you would try to open the door on the far wall with the key hanging on the hook, turn to page 109. If you want to search the boiler room, turn to page 69. I assume you're oh, sorry, are you actually asking me to make a choice? I thought you were... I assume you're silent because you already, I already knew which one you wanted me to pick. Yeah. So I thought if, this... like, any, any chance you're given to explore a room, right? Um, I thought you were just jumping at the chance for number 69. Shh, just... <laughs> yes, it's the funny number. Shh, that's what I'm going to say. There is a small red painted cupboard fixed to the left-hand wall that you hadn't noticed earlier as it was hidden from view by one of the boilers. On opening, you find some bandages and antiseptic cream that you use to nice. bind your wounded wrists that, since they are still in bad shape from the shackles, we're back up to 21 health. Nice. Suddenly, you hear a noise overhead. Sliding out the vents are three zombies who land on the floor in a crumpled heap. They stand up awkwardly and step forward to attack. You must fight them barehanded or the weapon if you have one. So there's three of them. We've got a so big baseball bat. They were all crumpled up on the floor. They fell down a big... You didn't take a shot. Robin. <laughs> what? 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 What do you mean? They 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 set down a big air vent and hit the floor in a big crumpled heap. Yeah, what? Take 
No, never mind. You're going to have to explain this one to me. I'm sorry. They were all crumpled up in a heap on the floor and you just let them stand up. That's a weird one. They just went, whoa, that's messed up. How crazy. I assumed it happened in a cutscene where it wrested control away from the player. Oh, okay, of course. It's the video game's influence coming through again. It's the video game's influence. I rolled a two. So that means I lose one health because the one that's left slaps me and is really, is a real dick about it as well. It was really uncomfortable. Yeah. And then we just kill it because you can't roll less than one. That's how I dice feel like work. You should, I feel like you should try anyway. I don't see think it's how beyond bad, us to roll a See zero. how bad we kill it. All right. We kill it two times. <laughs> well done, us. Well done, us. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You continue your search of the boiler room and find a crowbar propped up against some piping. Do you want to keep the baseball bat or the crowbar? This is an important question for role-playing. Does it tell us what numbers the, crow- the crowbar is? The exact same as the baseball bat. But it is a bit more half-lifey. Yeah, how behold... It's, which aesthetic do you want to go for? Do you want to go for the half-life? Or do you want to go on, like, classic zombie killing? Well, my point is that you can actually... Like, there's a lot more utility with a crowbar than with a baseball bat. Oh, uh, yeah, but a baseball bat's more moddable, isn't it? That's true. You can't put you can't put nails through a crowbar. You can try, but people will call you an idiot. <laughs> You've just ruined your crowbar, you bloody idiot. That's not going to crow anything now, is it? Silly bar. Ah, uh, let's take the crowbar then. All right. There's nothing else of, of there's nothing else in the room of much use. So you decide to try to open the door on the far wall with the key hanging on the hook. Also, to be fair, I think 2012 was before lots of crafting systems were really brought into it. <laughs> yeah, this book started it, didn't it? <laughs> the key turns in the lock and you find yourself back in the main corridor running left to, left to right you lock the door behind you and think about which way to go the decision is soon made for you there's somebody coming along the right hand corridor Ooh. that was added by me oh okay coming... sorry I thought you were still reading <laughs> it's, it's really hard to tell coming down the corridor towards you with ungainly lumbering strides are four zombies they have pallid grey skin covered with gaping wounds and festering sores <laughs> Yeah, we've heard this before. Yeah, we, we know. I was going. To, I was going to say that, like, it's quite imaginative with how it describes these these creatures, but also like it's using a lot of the same words. Yeah, it was imaginative the first time. Now it's copy and yeah. paste. Their hair hangs down in greasy clumps. They have cracked lips. Oh, really? Does clumps. it? Yeah, stick out their open mouths. Their sunken oh, glazed over eyes are red rimmed. They get very yeah. They get very animated when they see you, making screeching gurgling noises as they try to walk faster. There's four of them. We've got a big, a big. <laughs> Sorry, crimmer. that just describes a toddler. Oh, they're all excited and they start gurgling when you come in. It's got gurgling and screaming. Oh, I rolled a six. Nice. Oh well. Turn to page one thirty-six. Do, 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 do. You notice that one of the zombies is holding a gun. <laughs> oh no, a dangerous zombie. <laughs> uh, right. It's. I guess we're going to take the the gun. It's one d six plus two. Do we have any concept of bullets? Because I know we picked up like three or four boxes of them. We picked up a few boxes of them, and I guess we're a character in a in a video game, so we know how they work. Does it does it tell us we have to use ammo or whatever? It, you prize it out of the undead monstrosity's fat fingers. It, this is just spiteful, and discover that the clip has no bullets. Although the pistol appears to be in full working order, if you have bullets in your backpack, you will be able to fire the gun. Further down the corridor, you see a large wooden crate next to a round manhole covering the floor. If you want to price the lid off the crate, turn to 152. If you want to try to lift the manhole cover, turn to 210. Or turn to 337. And don't do either of those. We just got a crowbar! We just got a crowbar. We can fuck up all the boxes! The lid is firmly nailed down and the crate is too heavy to lift to try to smash <laughs> open. 
We have a crowbar. If you possess a crowbar, turn to page 78. <laughs> True power. Oh, I've never felt so powerful in my life. The nails creak as you prise the lid off the crate. It is full of bags of sand and cement. You take out two to reveal a plastic lunchbox. The bad news <laughs> is that it doesn't contain any food. The good oh. news is that it does contain two hand grenades. <laughs> uh, well, that's a kind of food. That's, they call, that's they like, call them pineapples. They're pineapples for a reason, yeah. Grenades... 2d6 plus 1. You clip them onto your belt, feeling very pleased with your discovery. They could prove to be very useful in combat, but remember to cross them off your adventure sheet when you use them. <laughs> we can lift up the manhole cover or we can carry on down the corridor. I mean, lifting up the manhole cover is also a task that could be used with a crowbar. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm thinking. There is a handle on the manhole cover and you lift it up quite easily. You are immediately engulfed by a terrible stench so bad that it makes you wretch. There is a foul smell of raw sewage. There is a narrow shaft that drops vertically down to an open sewage tunnel below. There are iron rungs fixed to the wall and all the way down the shaft. You drop a stone down and hear it land with a dull plop into the sewage water below. So we can either climb down into sewage hell or we can close the manhole cover and carry along the corridor. I think I'm fine. Let's carry on. Let's not go down there. We didn't have to. to. That's, That's dreadful. I suppose the problem is what we've learned. You shouldn't crowbar everything you can crowbar. We didn't even need to crowbar. That had it had a handle on it. We were just doing that for the fun of it. Crowbar, our crowbar responsibly, folks. <laughs> if if we've learned anything today, please, everyone at home, crowbar responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> you walk along the long dark corridor until you arrive at a white door in the right hand wall. You try the handle, but the door is locked. You look through the keyhole and see that there is a key in the lock on the inside. Ahead you see stairs going upwards, which appears to be the best way to get out of the underground corridors. Turn to page 250. The rickety stairs lead up to the ground floor of the castle. You are relieved to be back in daylight after being held captive for so many days in near darkness. Your eyes water as they adjust to the bright light of the sun's rays pouring through a window high up in the wall opposite the top of the stairs. There are several life-size portraits hanging on the brightly patterned walls. A vivid red carpet runs along the centre of a stone-floored hallway on either side of the stairs. We can expect the paintings... We can go left along the hallway, or we can go right along the hallway. I feel like, you know, we've been trapped in prison for a long time, right? Let's enjoy the finer things in life. Let's have some art. I do consider myself an art appreciator. Look, there's one. Ah, yes, this is an art. This is an art attack. The paintings are all portraits. Of <laughs> no, the no, sorry, of... don't, do, don't do that and just carry on as though nothing happened. I just, I just like, realised that I didn't have any way to follow it up. I couldn't like <laughs> arrange a bunch of t-shirts on the side of a hill. I couldn't do that in audio format, I'm sorry. Like, this is an art... No, bail out, quickly. Mm, Move I guess on. that's why Neil Buchanan's the expert, isn't it? Well, he, uh, I mean, yes. He's also an audio expert because he's in a band called Marseille. Yeah, that's... but it's a metal band, so I wouldn't say he's an expert. Oh, okay. I'm going to get death threats. Moving on. <laughs> I didn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> the paintings are all portraits of formidable-looking gentlemen who have lived in the castle down through the ages. They are all named and dated. All of them have the surname Yur. Each has a stern look on his face, except for one. A sharp-featured man with long hair, a piercing stare, and a sly grin who looks more mean and evil than all the others. Oh, is that his Mitch? It's Mitchie Yeo. His name is Gingrich Yeo. He is the current owner of the castle, and the man Otto said wanted to kill you. Despite wearing a yellow waistcoat and holding a small white rabbit in his arms, he stands there confidently as a man to be feared. We can inspect the portrait more closely, or we can go down the corridor. I want to inspect the portrait more closely because if some Scooby-Doo stuff is going to happen, it's going to happen. I want in. I really want like the eyes in the portrait to just slide back and then... 
If you have a... Okay, that's the wrong one. The image of you holding a rabbit looks quite surreal against the backdrop of the 1960s light blue and cream Austin Healy sports car that he's standing in front of. You notice that the painting is tilting slightly to one side. We can look behind the, the portrait or we can run away from it. I didn't come this far to give up now. <laughs> you move the painting to one side and see that there is a narrow door on the wall that was previously concealed. We can open that or we can run away. <laughs> I didn't come this far to give up now. <laughs> This is like, what's happening here is this is a puzzle that you'd have in a video game that like would you could just overlook and then carry on down the way. This would be a, this would be a secret area, but because it's in a book, they have to be all like, "Are you sure though?" Hey, hey, do you want to make sure there might be nothing here? Are you, are you sure? Are you, are you sure though? Are you sure? Maybe it was just a trick of the light. The door opens to reveal a narrow cupboard set into the wall. Inside the cupboard, you are overjoyed to find the perfect zombie stopper. A shotgun, four boxes of shotgun cartridges, and two boxes of bullets. You take everything and close the door quickly, moving the painting back to its original position. Oh, wait, I'll be honest, that does seem like quite a find. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take it. It's the, it's the find I of the century. I should hope you will. It's the find of the century. Get those lads from time... Time team? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, it's hard to know if you want time team or antiques roadshow, really, isn't it? <laughs> how old does the shotgun look? I mean, how old are my references? Fucking hell. That's no, all right. This is this came out in the 2000s, so we should be referencing weird shit from the 90s when we were growing up. I suppose so. I suppose so. I mean, like, I took a year off. Don't expect me to like have any more timely references. I think the most recent thing that I watched was uh, Finding Dory. You know right. when you said you were asleep? That wasn't a lie. That wasn't a lie. Like, wh- why do you think I would lie about something like that? So, why would you want to? Why would you want to go left, or why would you want to go right? I don't know. Play the book for yourself and find out. <sighs> Fucking hell. Did it really say that? No, I'm... I'm like, I've had a lot of time off. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, that's that's some Sonic book writing shit, and I would be really disappointed <laughs> if Ian did that. <laughs> no, Ian's a bit more a cut above that. Do you want to go left or... Ian has some chops. Yeah. Left or right? Left, of course. Of course. <laughs> You pass by an ornately carved mahogany table on which stands a large patterned vase and two small porcelain figures. The vase has a striking design of interwoven blue flowers painted on it. You look inside it, but it is empty. There is a small drawer at the end of the table. You decide to open and find a tape measure, a pair of reading glasses, a pocket Romanian English dictionary, and a calculator. You t- this is just some junk. Who's going to need that? Well, Robin, you say that now, but you will be laughing on the other side of your face when we need all of those things for a puzzle at the end of the game. Yeah, that's true, that's true, that. You take what you want and walk on. The hallway makes a sharp right turn, and you soon arrive at a doorway in the right-hand wall, which has a hand-painted sign with the word cleaners on it screwed to the door. We can open that, or we can walk on ahead. I mean, I don't see why we wouldn't open it, really. We're just exploring around. And they've been nice enough to signpost it for us. Yeah, we've had no trouble with with the cleaners before. The door opens to reveal a small dark cupboard. As you reach for the light switch, a drooling one-eyed zombie jumps up from behind a, pa- a pile of storage boxes, scattering them everywhere. Caught off oh, guard. Oh no! Oh no, a zombie! Caught off guard, you're pulled to the ground by the undead fiend, who launches a frenzied attack on you, screeching loudly. Lose one stamina point. You struggle to throw the heavy zombie off for you to defend yourself as it tries to bite you with the jagged, virus-infected teeth protruding from its gums. If you enter under three forty-nine, I presume. Oh, okay. It's so that's saying if you win, then you can turn to that page. But if, if you, you only what? had one, the fight. But if you only had one stamina point left, then you die, and you don't get to turn to page three forty nine. Oh, okay, that's slightly confusingly worded. That was slightly confusingly worded, but I I figured it out eventually. That was thank weird. goodness you're here. 
A quick search of the zombie's clothes produces a brass key and a wallet. The key has the number 111 stamped onto it. The wallet is empty, apart from a cracked plastic driving license in the name of Tom Watson. Now. <laughs> now if you're how, wondering... How does Ian feel about the Labour Party? If you're wondering, is that a reference to Tom Watson, MP of the Labour Party, you would be correct. Really? Yes. What? Uh, he's, a, he's a fan of fighting fantasy and he asked if he could be put into the book. <laughs> That's weird. That is weird. You're right, Danny. I thought I was joking. No. Charlie Higson is in this as well somewhere. He was a popular author and comedian, I think. Wasn't he in The Fast Show? Doesn't he, he write horror books was, now? He was in The Fast Show and I think also did some of Down the Line, which I think this is maybe the third time I've talked about this on the show. Down the Line's really good. Anyway. Um... Yeah, Tom Watson is dead. The photo on the card is of a smiling, round-faced man with black hair and glasses. That absolutely is... Yeah, sounds like him. That's him. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Tom. You stare at the photo for a few moments, wondering what fate had led him here to be turned into a zombie. <laughs> Honestly, same. Oh, my goodness. You toss the wallet away and look in the cupboard. The storage boxes are full of household junk, which is of no use to you. You pocket the key and carry on down the hallway. Turn to 311. So, actually, what we did was go into the cleaners for Tom Watson's insert. Beat the shit out of Tom Watson, yeah. <laughs> that was weird. That was weird. I guess he got a stamina off us, though. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose so. It's taxes, in it. Um, <laughs> Bloody <he does>. socialism. <laughs> so, let me just write down one Tom Watson. Okay. <laughs> the hallway turns right once more, and you walk around the corridor, arriving at a white carpeted staircase on the left, again going up. The hallway continues on beyond the staircase. Suddenly you hear a noise coming from the top and you get ready to defend yourself. Turn to 148. You start to walk up the staircase and soon find out who was making the noise. Twelve zombies are coming down the stairs, stumbling into each other as they do. When they catch sight of you, they yell loudly and push forward in a minus rage. Two of them fall down the stairs, running past you, but stand up and climb back up the stairs to attack. Your surrounder must fight them all. The zombies are all carrying crude weapons, which makes them more powerful in attack. Some are branching chair legs and pickaxe handles, whilst others are wielding hammers and machetes. One of the zombies is missing a hand. It looks to have been recently cut off, but the zombie seems unconcerned that blood is pouring from the stump. Its right hand is holding its severed left hand, which, bizarrely, brandishes an axe tightly. At least they're trying to mix it up, but I'll be honest, I'm not, I'm not buying that one, Ian. That's a bit silly, I'm sorry. It's a bit, you, gone a bit far. You, you, you're, being, you're being very silly, Ian. Can't stop it. <laughs> you're making yourself look bad. <laughs> so, After Robin... You, so, Danny. How... So, obviously, grenades work if we use one, you cross it off of your adventure list, right? Yeah. How does bullets work? I think we've got infinite bullets because we found a nice box of them. Okay, so... Really, what that's saying is we've got as many bullets as we'd like. Yeah, essentially. Unlike as many bullets as are plot relevant. There might be a point where it says, you go to a gun, but you're out of ammo. A zombie reaches into your backpack and steals all of your boxes of bullets. It giggles and runs away, yes. All right, so after our initial attack, any surviving zombies will deal double damage against you. So I think we should give them the grenades. Probably time for a grenade, right? Probably time for a single grenade. Let's see what happens. It's 5pm on Friday. It's time for a single grenade and time to call the police. <laughs> Alright, uh, I rolled 7. Plus 1 is going to be 8. So, that takes out 8 of them, but there are still 4 left. I thought it was like, oh, did you roll 2 dice and got a 7? Yep. Yes. Of course. Yep. Yes! Because 
I yeah, rolled seven dice. Six seven dice. Good grief. Um, hey, so you rolled a zero before. That's true, that's true. Uh, so, there's four of them left. I'm going to shoot the rest with my big shotgun. Ha ha, I feel cool. We're All right, down Duke. <laughs> Damn, I feel cool. I said Duke, not Bob Dylan. D- does Bob Dylan say I feel cool? Presumably. Probably. Probably after, after writing his good Christmas album. Well, let's not get into this. <laughs> oh, is there a more festive podcast we can do it on? <laughs> Probably. I'd be surprised if there wasn't. <laughs> you pick your way through the twitching corpses of the zombies that are piled up on the staircase. You pull the axe out of the hand of the one-armed zombie before climbing the staircase to the next floor. You step out onto a corridor, landing where you can go left, right, or straight ahead. Wait, so sorry, did we not take any damage in that one? Oh, we took a lot of damage. We were down to oh, okay. It just, you didn't say. Okay, yes. I thought I thought I said. I'm sorry. No, you, you got excited talking about your big shotgun. I've got a really big shotgun, Daddy. You've got a really big shotgun, Robin. It does the job. All right, so, left, right, or straight ahead. <laughs> it's an average shotgun. It's above average. Sorry, left, where are we going? Left, right, or straight ahead. Let's go left. Why not? Why? It's worked so far. I think we've figured out the secret of this book. That's true. I, I'll give you that. All right. The landing is carpeted and the walls are covered with bright patterned wallpaper. There are some still life paintings hanging on the walls, plus some mirrors and etchings, but nothing of use to you. You walk on until you come to a corner where the corridor turns sharply to the right. Around the corner, you see a white doorway in the left hand wall some 20 meters ahead. You walk up to the door and see a sign painted on it in black lettering, which reads Games Nightclub. If you want to open the door, we can, or we can carry on walking. So, does that mean it's like D&D zombies? I'm almost certain it's going to be D&D zombies. Should we go see what weird references yeah. are in there, then? Oh, I mean, you know, you've been in the games... You've been writing these books for 30 years. You've been in the games industry for 20. You've probably got a few references up your sleeve. You've probably got a few friends who want to be in the next one, right? The door opens into a windowless room that has a circular table and six chairs in the centre. All the walls are lined from floor to ceiling with shelves that are crammed full of board games, computer games, books, and even 25 issues of an old games magazine with the strange name Owl and Weasel. (laughs) One shelf has a row of books with distinctive green spines and fantastical sounding titles like The Warlock of Firetop Mountain. (laughs) 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 Sorry, I didn't get the Owl and Weasel one. I believe Owl and Weasel was a uh, fighting... Let me... uh... Let me quickly Google this, just so I don't embarrass myself. I believe don't, it was a don't get me wrong. Right, I got Warlock of Firetop Mountain. You're fine. That's some Garth Marenghi <laughs> sitting down. Wow, I, this is this book is fantastic. I I've really poorly judged the fantasy genre, the horror genre. Truly, Owl and Weasel. <laughs> uh, yep, Owl and Weasel was a newsletter for board gamers, role players, and war game war gamers published in London by Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston. Oh, okay. <laughs> Published in 1975, which I guess would have been before the first fighting fantasy book as well. I think 1975 was before everything I know ever. Yeah. They didn't even have keyboards back then, Danny. God. They didn't have a life before synthesizers. It sounds terrible back then. Mm. On a high shelf, nestled between a pile of board games and box file labelled Games Night Newsletters, you see a silver two-handled cup. You lift the trophy down and see it is inscribed with the words, The Pagoda Cup. There are six names etched on the back of the cup over a period of 27 years. We can open some of the boxed games, or we can leave the room and walk further up the corridor. We have to open the games, right? We, I want more we of ha- this. We have to. This is fantastic. <laughs> this is so self-indulgent, but in the sweetest way. <laughs> yeah. 
You open lots of boxes but find nothing more than game components inside. However, set in the wall, you see the door of a small safe that was previously concealed behind the boxed games. The words, use brass key are written on the front of the safe. Obviously a reminder <laughs> for the owner. Use the Tom Watson device. <laughs> Activate the Watson. <laughs> so we can either use the brass key to open it, or we can use the crowbar. Fuck. Fuck. I'm worried that if we use the crowbar, then we'll... We'll destroy something in, in there, right? Do ourselves an injury, yeah. Yeah, but it's so much cooler than activating the Watson. But also... Oh, I guess let's activate the... It's the only reason he was in, wasn't it? Let's activate the Watson. Activate the Watson. The safe door clicks open. You find a small stack of dollar bills inside, 45 in total. You also find a set of car keys, which you put in your pocket. Those are going to be critical, aren't they? Like, it's going to be... You get to the end of the game, it says... Did you remember the car keys? And you're going to go, no. Also, you need $45 for petrol. <laughs> yeah, presumably. Wow, yikes. Turn to page 129. See what I mean, though? Going left is working out really well. Going left is working out really well. We've met we've met the, a Labour MP. We've found the cute self-referential bit. <laughs> um, we've got you a nice shotgun. Yeah. A few you're meters happy. on. I'm, I'm very happy. A few meters further on, you arrive at another white door on the left-hand wall. You listen at it, and hear shouting voices and banging and crashing. Perhaps the sound of a fight. We can open the door, or we can walk on by. Perhaps the sound of a large group of zombies. Perhaps. Perhaps. The door is padlocked. Oh. But if we have, have an axe. We a have gun. a gun, we have a crowbar, or we can ignore it. Well, <laughs> any chance to use a crowbar, right? Any chance to use a crowbar. It sounds like there could be someone in there, so let's have a look, you know? As you try to force the lock open, the crowbar slips, trapping your fingers painfully against the door. Lose one stamina. Fuck off! That's just stupid. That's <laughs> what crowbar's for! Crowbars are for jimmying open padlocks like that. As you try and shoot open the padlock, you shoot yourself in the foot with your big shotgun. Lose five stamina, comma, Lose Robin. five toes. <laughs> no, it's one toe, one stamina. Yeah. Uh, you try again, this time you succeed. The lock flies open and the door swings open to reveal a large, dimly lit, windowless room, which looks like it was once an old bunk room. There are six wooden bunk beds lining the walls, their dirty mattresses ripped open and lying abandoned. The mystery of the scuffling sounds is immediately solved. A group of angry zombies, some with the limbs missing, others with gaping wounds on their faces and bodies, are fighting each other inside the room. On seeing you, they stop fighting. They now have a common enemy. A human! Wait, so I didn't know zombies love to scrap. Apparently they do. So there's 17 in total as they rush towards you, arms outstretched. If you possess oh, a hand grenade... Oh, this was a bad idea. If you possess a hand grenade, it might be a good time to use it now. Turn to page 357, well, or we can just shoot them all in turn. If the, if the book says maybe we should use it, maybe we should use you it. You should probably use your hand grenade, love. Yeah. Oh, we shouldn't have gone left. <laughs> I can't believe going left has betrayed us like this. You waste no time and pull the pin out of the grenade. Tossing into the dormitory before slamming the door shut. <laughs> <laughs> you drop to the floor to avoid the impact of the explosion. Seconds later, there is a loud boom as the grenade explodes, causing... Eight damage. You open what's left of the door and peer into the smoke-filled room to view the carnage. The zombies left, left standing stagger forward to attack, and you must select another weapon to finish them off. So there was... 18? I thought it was oh, 17. 17. There was 17... I just killed eight of them with a grenade. So that means there's going to be nine left. And I've got a big shotgun. So. Do we? I'm confused why you wouldn't just close the door and leave rather than close the door and do your elaborate grenade dance. 
Well, you've got to be thorough because if you're not thorough, you don't get the the good ending. Oh, okay, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were going for a hundred percent completion. Exactly, exactly. Don't make fun. I'm not. I'm not making fun. <laughs> there is generally two endings for if you kill every single zombie in the book or not. Really? Yeah, and we'll get into Fucking that before the, by the end. How, how do you even have the stamina? So I shoot every single zombie in the room because I'm great. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what the book says, or is that what Robin says? That's what Robin says every okay. day of Robin's life. Turn to page one forty-five. You step over the mangled zombies, the mangled zombies of the bodies, to take a look inside the bunk room. Feathers from the old mattresses are floating around in the smoke-filled room, creating a very surreal scene. Beyond the bodies and debris, you see a small red metal chest in the far corner. We can open the chest, or we can leave the bunk room and head off along the corridor. Considering the hassle we went through to get here, I don't think we should leave. Yeah, I agree. The chest is, isn't locked. You lift the lid and find three boxes of bullets, three boxes of shotgun cartridges, an empty plastic bottle, and $15. You take what you need and leave the bunk room to head off along the corridor. Turn to 388. So we still have that medkit thing, right? Yeah. You could use that now and get four extra health. In fact, How I think much we health do we have? Ten. Yeah, that seems quite low. Yeah. Yeah. All right, back up to 14 health. A few metres further along the corridor, you see a large black metal trunk set against the right-hand wall. There is a handwritten message taped on the lid which says, Danger, do not open in big red letters. We can Shit. ignore the warning and open it's it. It's the final we test. Carry, we can carry on walking. I mean, it says do not open, so... But it says that in all the best stuff. I know. It says, Danger, do not eat. This is my lunch. <laughs> Danger, don't eat. Brackets, it's a lovely cake. <laughs> um... It does say do not open those a thing. Yeah, but it's the best stuff. I'll be honest, I feel like this is this is not like a, a like a trick. I feel this is probably gonna kill us, but I kinda wanna finger in the page and see what happens and like see how I'll it keep, happens. I'll keep my finger in the page. When you lift the lid, you hear a faint click followed by a rapid ticking sound. Before you have time to react, there's a huge explosion. The trunk is booby trapped with a bomb which blows up in your face. Lose ten stamina points. That wasn't very exciting. That wasn't that wasn't very exciting, but also why would you have that? Why would you have that and then tell people not to touch it? What, like a zombie's going to read that and think, oh, maybe that's full of good food. Filled with prizes for me, the zombie. All right, so let's ignore it. There is another white door on the left-hand wall not far really disappointed. ahead. Yeah, a little bit. You listen at the door but hear nothing. You can open it or you can walk on. Door? Open it, I guess? Door. This feels door. weird. It's like, do you, do you want to encounter some zombies and take some damage, but probably find some dollars over and over? Yeah. Yeah. Should the we have a, have a go at it? Let's have an encounter with a capital the door, E. The door isn't locked and opens into a large room that is fitted out with rows and rows of bookcases. There is a musty smell in the air created by all the old leather-bound tomes that have deteriorated over time, sitting unread on the shelves. Without warning, two zombies jump out from behind one of the bookcases to attack you. I've got a shotgun, so we just instantly win this one. Bang, bang, I'm really good at my job. Turn to to page 365. You're the most self-satisfied prisoner in the world. Yeah, this is great. This is really good fun. Like, the thing is, it does does a minimum of six damage, you know? Yeah. You're not wrong. You are very good. Yeah. A quick search of the zombies reveals nothing but a note in the top pocket of the mail. It simply says... Tell Lara I love her. Okay, so the company that Ian Livingston was working for, the company that brought out Tomb Raider. We can sit in the library and take a look at the books, or we can continue walking along the corridor. Again, it's that thing of, do you maybe want to back out before you get the prize? Yeah. No, I don't. 
<laughs> Let's have a look. Like, again, this is just, did you find the secret in the room after searching through it? No, because you didn't jump up on the table and do the thing on the thing. But, like, it's trying to fit that into a book, you know? Yeah. It's like, by telling us, did you find the secret, we know there's a secret. Yeah. So, of course, we're going to say no. Exactly. There are hundreds of books on the shelves. Old classic novels, reference books, atlases, history books, and a huge section on undead creatures. There's even a book of jokes about the undead. There's even a book of jokes about the undead entitled Demons Are a Ghoul's Best Friend. There are books dedicated to the subject of vampires, <laughs> werewolves, ghosts, ghouls, skeletons, and wraiths, but there are more books about zombies than on all the other undead creatures put together. As a student of mythological beasts, you couldn't have found a better collection of books. If only you could spend a week in the library to read them. But lingering here is a dangerous option if you want to escape from the castle alive. If you still want to read one of the books about zombies, turn to page 288. Or you can leave the library and walk on. I want to know more good ghoul puns. Give me that good zombie content. Give, that... give us. Let's find out some good zombie content. There's a huge leather-bound book on one of the shelves fixed to the end wall between two bookcases. It is entitled Living Dead, The World of Zombies. <laughs> on removing the book from the shelf, you notice a small brass plate on the wall behind it. There is a switch in the middle of the plate. We can read the book, or we can flick the switch, or we can just leave. <laughs> I love that everything has this disaffected uh, option on just, the end just, of it. Just say, no, I'm, I'm sick of this. I want to go home. So, obviously, pressing the, the switch seems really interesting, right? But I'm still very I'm fascinated about what gets numbers on Necromancer Twitter. <laughs> right, okay. The book is an illustrated reference work on zombies, giving very detailed descriptions of their history and habits. The book claims that the zombies were first created by witch doctors of the Caribbean. On one small island, the zombie population grew uncontrollably and had to be hunted down and slaughtered. But before their corpses were all burned, blood from slain zombies was taken away and sold to unscrupulous traders. They sold it on to evil megalomaniacs who wanted to experiment in turning humans into zombies. Any human who has blood-to-blood contact with a zombie will turn into one themselves. The book gives a stern warning to be very careful when coming into contact with zombies. You make a mental note of the advice before deciding what to do next. You can flick the brass switch, or we so, can just not. Sorry, we're meant to be like a student of monsters and shit, right? Yeah. Surely that's day fucking one. <laughs> day one, don't don't put zombie blood in your blood. Yeah, you'd think so. You would but... think that, wouldn't you? Mm. So there's Me the... certainly would. <laughs> just like... I mean, especially what if they're not the same blood type as you? Who knows what would happen? Yeah, well, like, you never are. It's human and zombie. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Why didn't, you, why didn't you think of that? You're supposed to be a I student. Did. Why didn't Ian? Why didn't, why didn't Ian? So, do you want to flick the switch or do you want to leave? Yes, please. When you flick the switch down, you hear a faint clicking sound like that of a catch being released. You're set off a trap. Without warning, a small dart shoots out of a near-invisible hole in the wall beneath the switch. Roll or die. Let's see what happens. Roll, roll or die. Roll and your doom. Turn to page 167. Jesus. The dart flies past your head and lodges itself harmlessly in a book on one of the shelves behind you. A lucky escape. You examine the switch carefully and see that there, is, there are actually three positions it can be. There's a central off position, a down position which sets off the trap, and an up position. So you can flick the switch up, or we can rather not take the chance and just leave immediately. <laughs> I love um, that. I love just looking going, fuck this. Oh, that's bad. There's probably another dart in that, isn't there? This is bad news. So do, do, you, do we know if getting hit by that was just like an instant I fuck you? I want to pick up. 
Because I'd quite like to know. I was expecting that to be our first game over. I think we're lucky. The dart thumps into your neck, piercing the skin with ease. The dart is poison-tipped, albeit a mild poison. Lose five stamina points. It, oh, that's that's not too bad. I keep expecting this game just to outright kill us. This is a lot less cruel than it could have been. Although, right over the page, I am seeing you take the full force of the blast in the chest. There is no way you can survive such an explosion. Your adventure is over. So, well, looking forward to getting that one later. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> right. This so, is grim. Yeah, this is kind of grim. Uh, do you want to flick the switch up or do you just want to go? Hmm. Let's flick the switch up. When you flick the switch up, you hear a faint... A barrage of sound. darts coming from the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> you hear a faint clicking sound like that of a catch being released. Suddenly, whole s- <laughs> Oh, Jesus. Suddenly, a whole section of the bookcase pops out of the walls, reveals a secret passageway behind it. You peer inside it and see there is an open wooden staircase going down. We can enter the secret passageway and go down the stairs, or we can rather not take the chance and leave immediately. <laughs> what a coward! <laughs> It's nice it's giving us agency. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know from spooky monster media that this is always the good bit where you go down to the lab and find the person slaving over like a big cauldron. Yeah. The staircase takes you down to a windowless concrete tunnel. Ahead you hear the sound of loud voices and somebody, or something, rattling the doors of a metal cage. You walk slowly down the tunnel towards where the noise is coming from. It ends as a large iron-barreled barred cell that is full of screeching zombies. They go berserk when they see you. In a blind rage, they throw themselves violently against the iron bars of the cell door. Suddenly, the padlock on the door flies off and the zombies pour out, arms outstretched, desperate to eat you alive. There are 19 in total, and you must fight them with whatever weapon you have to hand. So, there's 19 of them, and our shotgun is only D6 plus 5. And we we used all the grenades because of that time we went in the dorm. Yeah, so, maybe me being so self-satisfied was a bit premature. We'll see what happens. Let's see how good you are with your shotgun, Robin. D6 plus 5. Um, I rolled a... Oh, no. I rolled a 1. Well, that's unfortunate, isn't it? So they do 13 damage to us. We've got 14 health. But that that's means unfortunate, like, isn't it? That means there's only 13 of them left. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so... Only 13. We're dead. Oh. They killed us. Do you oh. want to keep going? Can we just pretend like we won? Is that how we're doing this? Yeah. Um, I've got minus two health, but that's fine. Are we actually just going to keep... Le- What's the best way to go about this? Because I feel like I don't want to just pretend like we got away with that. Um, Do we just go into minus health and count how badly we lost? We can do that. Oh, okay. I'll tell you what. Somehow you survive the onslaught of the zombies and step over the twitching bodies to take a look inside the cell. One of the prone zombies has a silver flask sticking out of the top pocket of its bloodstained shirt. You take the flask and give it a shake. There is liquid inside. You go and screw the top and take a sniff. It has a strange smell of almonds. If you want to take a swig, you can, or you can pour the liquid away. <laughs> yeah, let's have some cyanide. Yeah, see, see, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. You're quite thirsty and gulp down the liquid, which tastes much better than it smells. Unfortunately, it is laced with a deadly poison. Cyanide! The poison is quick-acting, <laughs> and you drop to your knees, clutching your stomach. You fall unconscious oh, and never recover. Your adventure is over. Weird. That was weird. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, at least we both called it. Yeah. um, We've seen films. So, how long have we been going? That's been about two hours, hasn't it? Yeah, but I feel like we can go a little longer. Um, I was going to say, like, we could wrap it up and, like, look through some of the endings in the book as well. I feel like we were just getting close, though. 
there's an entire secondary character that we hadn't met yet. Like, oh god. She's like she's a deuteragonist. Deuteragonist? That's a word. It's a word, but I don't know what it means. Secondary protagonist. Oh, okay. I thought that was like a profession. No, I know what that one means. Um, we've been going for about two hours or so, haven't we? Like, I think it might be time to wrap up. Uh, if you are s- curious enough to see what happen- what can happen in the blood of the zombies, then get the iOS app. <laughs> that- I mean, it does actually seem like an all right one yeah. of these. Um, and I feel it? there are some parts in it that would made- be made a lot easier by, like... Instead of having to keep track of all the tats that you find, just being able to... There was some kind of in-game tat level. Yeah, or an inventory, I suppose. Oh, we could call it that. Yeah. I, I... It's it's kind of weird because I wonder... Actually, do you even know this? Was it written with the iOS app in mind? I don't believe so. I think it was written... Oh, um, Ian Livingston says in the foreword that he started writing it in 2009, but he was then approached by... Uh, I believe he was approached by Neil Renison to... Uh, adapt it into a app as well. Because I know we said it a couple of times throughout, but it feels really video gamey. It does feel super video gamey, and I think that could just be because um, Ian Livingston spent so much time around the games industry, you know? I mean, I guess it must just be. Mm. But, like, not not just in the fact that there's loads of tropes of video games in there, but just the way the a lot of things are constructed. Mind you, I guess it's one of those things where hindsight's difficult, because Games took a lot from things like Choose Your Own Adventure books. Yeah, it's absolutely... Sorry, multiple path game Thank dialogues. you. I feel like it is um, going full circle and it's feeding back into itself, you know? Um, yeah. yeah, like, uh, lots of games are inspired by uh, fighting fantasy and fighting fantasy has in turn been inspired by lots of games, you know? Especially with these um, these new ones that are coming out recently. Yeah. I think Blood of the Zombies is pretty good, actually. Yeah, I was, enjo- I was enjoying that. I had a quite a nice time playing through that one. It was... Yeah. A- I mean, it felt like, it felt like we got our wrists slapped a little bit, but to be honest, I feel that's just a feature of the genre. Yeah, um, that's the thing. Like, they're kind of unfair because you're supposed to go through multiple times and then go, right, don't do that again. Yeah, the fun, is, the fun is making the map and figuring out where you shouldn't have gone. Yeah. And I can tell you where we shouldn't have gone. It's that room in the dorms. Yeah. It was also a super heavy opening as well. Yeah, that was intense. I'm glad <laughs> the that the mood, rest of it the was mood, a bit... like, lightened immediately afterwards. Yeah, I'm glad it was a bit more fun and schlocky, but... Yeah, this is this is good. I was flicking through it, and like you can find a Browning machine gun that shoots lots of bullets a lot of the time. Oh, if only we had lots of bullets. If only we, we had lots of bullets, we just couldn't fire them all at the same time because we only had small guns. If only you were better with a shotgun, Robin. I'm re- I'm really sorry. Uh, <laughs> do you want to hear the bad ending? Is there one? Is there, there is... one actual bad ending that is an en- the? Like not, just a, not just a you die, but there's you fucked up. The baddest ending. So there's the the good ending is obviously you manage to escape the castle, you kill every single zombie, and you get out. Hooray, the day is saved. The baddest ending is if you manage to escape, but you fail to kill all the zombies, then... Oh, okay. So when you were saying before, it matters. Like, yeah. It matters very, very specifically. Yep. Yep. So if you fail to kill the zombies... Not long after you escaped, the zombies you failed to find burst through the main gates that had been left open. They're now rampaging through the countryside, biting and infecting any poor victims they encounter. Eventually they will reach Melis, most likely in the middle of the night, where they will attack and infect everybody in the village whilst they sleep, including you. By daybreak you'll be running alongside them, a mindless zombie in an army of undead. Your adventure is over. Which is a bit... That's a kind of rude. That's kind of... That's kind of do rude. It, do it again. Like do it again, but actually go through all the doors. Yeah, that that seems 
Mm, I suppose it's hard to guess because it seems like that could be an incredibly punishing thing. But also, it kind of works stylistically. Yeah. Like, and I suppose what we were talking about earlier with it maybe being a zombie apocalypse, it leads into that, you know? Yeah, Bloody... you make one happen if you do a bad job. Bloody mad scientists. Oh, so, what they like. That's Blood of the Zombies. Uh, book report. Danny, what would you give that out of five? Oh, we're still doing this part. We're still doing this part. Oh, God. Um, I, I, so, in the ones we've done traditionally together, it's always been like a really bad book. No, I bring you on for the terrible ones. Yeah. Thanks, Sorry. By the way, <laughs> love you too. Um, <laughs> but like that one was genuinely quite good. Mm. I mean, I, I I'm not going to give it full marks because, for the love of God, I'm so tired of zombies. But <laughs> I think that's I think that's a pretty pretty. I think that's a pretty solid like three and a half four. You know? Yeah. It seems like a really good one of these. Absolutely one of these, but a good one. Yeah. That's an absolutely fair appraisal, and I can't really argue with that. Uh, four out of five is, sounds fine to me. Danny, where can we find you on the internet? Oh, just hanging about, you know, around just the back by the bins. Hither and thither. Yeah, it's floating around. Cool. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Kisses Fingers. You can follow us on Twitter at AdventurePod. We're on Tumblr, podroneadventure.tumblr.com, and we're on iTunes, podroneadventure. Like and subscribe. Give us a review. I think that's a pe- thing people are supposed to say. And also, you know what? I'm just going to say this now. If if you say on Twitter with the hashtag AdventurePod, hey, you should check out this podcast and then give a reason why, then you'll I'll let you into, into a raffle and I'll buy you the iOS app. Why not? There you go. That Aww. seems fair. That's That's nice. If you say, hey, friends, check out this podcast, it's come back and I like it. You don't even have to say you like it, just check out this podcast. Hey, just, uh, I don't even, like, just, you know, say something on Twitter. Yeah, and maybe throw us a link. If you do that, I'll put your names in a big hat, and by the time the next episode comes out, I'll reach into the hat, pull out a name, and said, you are winning a free game. We can get quite a good hat as well. We did find $45. <laughs> exactly. That'll buy, you a lot of, that'll buy you a lot of shitty hats in Romania, or one really, really good hat. One large hat as well. It won't fit, but it's good for raffles. Yeah, exactly. Uh, this is a terrible sign-off. Thanks, everybody, yeah, for listening. We've got a bit Pharrell at the end, haven't we? <laughs> yes, exactly. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, and... 2012. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Remember Pharrell's big hat? That was relevant a few years ago. <laughs> Love to see you again. Hope you enjoy the show, and we'll be doing this again sometime soon. Bye. I think you said the plan was 2016, right? Sometime in 2016, there'll be another episode of this show out. I'm looking to reboot it properly for season two. So who knows? There may be some changes. Maybe you won't like them. Maybe you will. Bye. Bye. Bye.